Let's stand for the reading of the word from Exodus 13. And this is what God said to his people. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always bought back. Wow. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit placing these words and truths into the Word for our encouragement, understanding. Thank you that it brings us victory for this new year. Thank you for the mercy, the opportunity to realign ourselves once again with you and your word, to get us a do-over, to begin again. We will see the victory you planned for us this new year. We thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. I referred to this passage before when I was doing my series on Sunday nights related to Joseph. And the Holy Spirit said to me when I was dealing with this subject, Sunday morning, need to revisit this with the people. So it sets a tone for God's people, and it sets the tone for our church in 2015. Now watch this. He instructs his son as, a, as to why you need to, to do these various things that were just read to you. That's why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always bought back. Now, that might not make sense to some at first, at first glance, but it'll take, it'll, it'll take root in just a couple of moments. We take these early days of every new year, and for 21 days we fast and pray. We set aside, we rearrange our lives, we pull and unplug away from the clutter, the junk, and other business so we can realign ourselves with the Lord. We do this every year. Why? I'm more convinced now than ever it's pleasing to the Lord. It's a powerful action to take time at the beginning of every new year to give ourselves in fasting and prayer as first fruits to the Lord, a first fruits offering. Fasting as an offering of first fruits to Him. Saying to God, Father, we need you to be first in our lives. And that's what we're doing for 21 days. We're rearranging our lives, rearranging our priorities and saying, Father, be first throughout this new year in our lives. Now, if God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. If God is not first in your life, everything is going to get out of order very rapidly. We don't make an effort, conscious effort, to put God first, then everything else begins to go sideways. So what he's saying in the passage, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. It was the law of the Lord. And God said when a male child is born, the firstborn son must be redeemed by the sacrifice of a lamb. 
when the mother gave birth to her first son, a lamb was to be offered for a sacrifice. And if you have a clean animal and it gives birth to its firstborn male, you're to bring that firstborn male to the Lord and sacrifice it. Wow. Not to keep it. It's the first. You bring it to God. It's his. It's the first fruit. Then God said, if you have an unclean animal and it gives birth to a male because it's unclean, this is what has to happen. You either break its neck or you bring a clean animal for sacrifice in its place if you want to keep that firstborn male from an unclean birth. Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or it must be redeemed. The clean animal dies so the unclean animal can live. Now, why is that important? Because we were all born unclean. No one had to teach your child to be selfish. One of the first words he or she learns to say is, mine. No one had to teach your child to lie. Because we are born unclean. But Jesus was identified by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Born spotless clean, without sin. And the unclean either must have its neck snapped or the clean substitute must be sacrificed to redeem it from death. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. And comprehend the clean, Jesus. He had to be sacrificed so the unclean, that's us, could be redeemed. And then you understand that Jesus was God's first fruit offering. Jesus was God's tithe, and God sacrificed the clean for the unclean for you and for me, and I am thankful to God forever. Otherwise, I'd be eternally hopeless. Now, in the context of this passage, also God is teaching us, you bring the tithe as the first fruit, as soon as it's manifested. He didn't say, wait until you have 10 lambs in your herd, then pick one and bring it to me. That's not what he said. He said, the firstborn is the one I want. Put me first, give me the first, and then I'll give you all the others. The lamb you have will give birth to many others. You you give the first one to me, and then you get to keep all the rest. But don't keep that one. I want the first. Don't wait and pick it from the herd later one that's sick or defective or blind or lame. No, you give me the first one, the one that's born. So you bring the first to God. That's point number one. Number two, the firstborn must be offered. And it's very interesting. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Well, he's real specific with that one. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Notice God didn't say give. He said bring. Why? Because God sees it as his. Nowhere in Scripture when God speaks of the tithe does he say give the tithe. He says bring the tithe. Bring it. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? Because there's a difference between bringing and giving. If you're giving, it implies it's yours, and you're giving it to somebody else. When you're holding the first fruits. God doesn't say, see that as yours. When you've got the first of the first fruits in your hand, God doesn't see that as yours. He says, you're bringing me what is already mine. Bring it to me. You're not giving me something you own 
you're bringing me something that already belongs to me. So if I were to borrow your truck for several days and, and then I came to you with tears streaming down my face and, and I was acting all spiritual and my lip was quivering and I've been fasting and praying and I want you to know I've decided to give you the keys to your truck. You would look at me and go, duh, it's my truck. There's nothing you get all spiritual about in this matter. This is how God views the tithe. Remember, his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. You're not giving me something. You're bringing me what is already mine. The first of the fruit, first fruits is mine. It's very clear in God's word. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of, say what? All, All your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's the promise of God's blessing you back. So the first fruits belong to God because you bring them to the house of the Lord. The tithe doesn't go to pay off your Christmas bills. We got quiet like that in the first service too, right there. Interesting. I said the tithe doesn't go to pay off your Christmas bills. The tithe doesn't go to pay for your Christian school education. Got quiet there too, first service. And then I said that if a church operates a Christian school, members are still expected to tithe, but there might be tuition discounts for tithers. Wow. The tithe doesn't go for special needs you have. The tithe belongs in the storehouse. It's God's. You can direct any offering anywhere you want to as the Holy Spirit leads you. But the tithe, the first fruit, belongs in the storehouse. Word of God is very clear. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, the principle of putting God first is undisputed. When the children of Israel took down the city of Jericho, God gave them 10 cities you're going to conquer in the new promised land. The first city to conquer was Jericho, and God gives them very clear and specific instructions and directions. He says, when you take down the city, it's going to be filled with silver and gold and garments and herds and crops. A bountiful supply will be yours because you're taking the city under my direction, but don't you touch any of it. Don't touch any of it. You can take from the next nine cities that you conquer, but the first city, Jericho, do not touch any of it. All the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, Joshua 6. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman and young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. So remember... They had been in the wilderness for four decades. They'd been wearing the same clothes for 40 years. The word says God renewed their clothes and their sandals. They were eating the same food, manna for years. And you can relate to that, eating similar foods for 21 days on this fast. Imagine 40 years and you come into a land flowing with milk and honey, cattle everywhere, lamb chops, prime rib, poultry, wheat. Grain, silver, gold, new clothes, new shoes everywhere. And you've been on the same diet, wearing the same clothes for four decades, and now look at all of this. And God said, don't touch it. It's mine. I'm going to give you the nine of the cities. You're going to enjoy all those benefits. They're jammed with every kind of good thing for you. 
but the first one is mine. Put me first. The first is mine. So <clears throat> the pagans of Jericho worshiped devils, and they had all kinds of paraphernalia, priestly robes for their devil-worshiping priests and all kinds of... And, and God said to Israel, by all means abstain from the accursed things, the paraphernalia for pagan worship, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So everyone believed God, and everyone did what Joshua commanded, and he took it seriously, and they all followed his directions, but one. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. You read that and read that and see how a whole nation, everybody was about to suffer because of the disobedience in that area of one person in the camp. Achan stole some of the clothes. He thought, I'm going to have an anniversary coming up. And then he took some jewelry and God understands because I feel led of the Lord that he'd have me use this tithe to buy something for my children or give them something new because they haven't had anything for a long time. So Achan took it and before you know it, He's under a curse. And watch this. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, some priestly paraphernalia garment used for pagan worship, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. And all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And here's why. The children of Israel suffered a humiliating defeat at Ai because Achan touched the first. And this next little city that they should have run right over without blinking was able to defeat Israel, and they had a huge setback because somebody said, I'm going to touch what God said, don't touch. God wants to be first. Number three, putting God first is his challenge to his people. This is a challenge for you, Calvary Christian Center. To Abraham, God said, bring me your firstborn son, Isaac. Lay him on the altar. I know you've believed for this son of promise for many, many years. It's what you've been dreaming of. And Abraham and Sarah dreamed about this son of promise for 25 years, and now you have him. But I don't want your dream to be first. I must be first. Place him on the altar Bring me your firstborn, the son of promise. And Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, and Abraham raised the knife. And he's about to sacrifice Isaac to God, but he had faith that even should this boy be put to death, God was capable of keeping his promise and raising him from the dead. But then comes these powerful words, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know. God declared, Now I know I can trust you. Waiting on you is a harvest greater than the sands of the seashore or the stars of the heavens. I have a nation, a plan, and a redeemer to come out of you, Abraham. And it all depends on what you do with the first fruits. And now I know I can trust you with the first fruit. I know I can trust you because of what you did with the first fruit, with all that comes after the first fruit. Now I know you will put me first. That's Catherine Kuhlman's story. 
many, many years of ministry. She's in her 70s. She's got bigger crowds than she's ever seen in all of her ministry career. She's sitting in front of a camera on broadcast. Tears are streaming down her cheeks. And she said, I asked the Lord, why didn't I have this great ministry when I was in my 30s? Why did you wait until I was in my 70s to see crowds like this and miracles like this and phenomenal pouring out of your spirit? Why? Why couldn't this have happened when I was younger, stronger? And she said, and God whispered in my ear, because now I can trust you with this. Wow. Why did God accept the offering of Abel and decline the offering of Cain? Clearly, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. Say, an offering. It goes on to say, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock. Ah, firstborn. Abel brought God the first fruit, the firstborn of his flock. Cain brought an offering. Cain gave what he thought would be acceptable. It goes on to say that God accepted Abel's firstborn, the offering, the tithe, but did not accept what Cain brought. The reason, Cain's a farmer, Abel's a rancher. Abel, you know, he brings his firstborn. Cain did not bring the first fruit. Had he brought the first fruit, God would have received that offering. And it blessed him just like he blessed Abel. And we wouldn't have the first ever recorded murder in all of human history. Cain would not have grown jealous because God would have blessed him just the same as Abel. Well, pastor, he won't bless me like that. Yes, he will. If you will do what God says... If you'll put God first in this new year, if you will honor God first, if you'll give him the first fruits, if you'll honor him with your resources, because God is no respecter of persons, he will bless you. So Cherie sang it well. Change me, Lord. Well, from the statistics I read, about 80% of America's believers need changing in this area. But don't tell God you are led to do something differently than what his word says very clearly. Don't, don't do that with God. You cannot redirect God's tithe and say, I'm being led of the Holy Spirit to do that. That's a very dangerous thing to do. I told the story on that Sunday night. I preached similarly about the pastor. True story who was asked by his daughter, who was dating a young man in the church. His daughter came to him, and he's the pastor of the church, and had a boyfriend, and said to her, her dad, Hey, Dad, do you as the pastor check the tithing records of the boys I date? And he said, I sure do. And she looked at her dad, and she said, Well, why do you do that? And she said, My dad answered, Why would a father give his daughter to a thief? No way. If you think that's strong, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus' words, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's just the cultural money exchange means we have, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Jesus asks you, why would I trust you with true riches if I can't trust you with the unrighteous worldly wealth? And true riches, listen to me, it's people, it's relationships. It's the blessing of God on your family. It's the health he provides. That's people. True riches are not the car, not the house. People. 
People limit themselves and their potential and their ministry, and they limit their influence that God wants to give to them. Jesus said, if I can't trust you with worldly wealth, with money, how can I give you true riches? People, lots of them. And the blessing in favor of God. God will challenge all of his people, everybody in the area of money. No one is exempt from this. He will test us. So he, in, in his perspective, can say over us, now I know about us. That's what he said about Job. I trust him. Go ahead and do whatever you want. Don't kill him, but you can do whatever you want. Take everything he has. See if he'll still serve me, and he will. So now I know. I wonder what God has held back because he knows he can't trust us. I wonder what it is we've not achieved or what we've forfeited because he knows he can't trust us. When you get the kingdom principle, and the principle is God can never be second, ever. Well, I've heard people say, well, God can do anything. No, he can't. One thing God can't do, he cannot be second. It's impossible. He'll never be second to Buddha. He'll never be second to Muhammad. Even our politically correct politicians today and those who follow them say, all roads lead to the same God. We're all worshiping the same God. It's not the same God. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, okay. I guess that's pretty distinguished, isn't it? God will never be second. He will never be equal to. He is above all, higher than all. If God runs a race, he'll never come in second place. He'll never get a silver medal. If he plays 18 rounds of golf, his score will be 18. It'll all be holes in one. He will never miss a shot. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is first in everything he does. There is no God like Jehovah. God, couldn't you have just taken Cain's offering? No, because he did not offer me first. I will be first, not second, not third. And after you give this and the other and that and put it over here and put your money all kinds of different places, he said, listen to me, I will be first. Well, I, I give when I'm led to give. Listen to me. I bet that works really well loving your wife that way. It's amazing to me. <laughs> well, when I'm led, I'm going to show you my love. Really? Okay. It's amazing to me that people argue about this when it's just basically a lack of trusting God. It's a lack of being able to let God change your heart. You get stubborn. Why would you argue about being a recipient of all the blessings of the Lord? He said, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, that there's adequate supplies, says the Lord, see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So God in this passage in Malachi is saying, here's what you get. But if you call me right now, better than an infomercial, there's no additional charge for shipping and handling. I'll throw in the Jinsu knives, a second unit for free, and a knife sharpener on top of it. If you'll just do what I ask you to do, I'll bless you beyond your ability to receive it. And why does anyone who loves God argue with that? 
The tithe must be the first. It's not what we have left over. It's not that you get 10 lambs and then you pick one out. No, it's the first lamb. It's not, well, after I do this, and no, he said, first. Say first. 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 That's what's so cool about online giving. We'll have that up and running we have in a better format than we've had in recent days in just a couple of months. Because when your check is deposited, if you set it up properly, boom, the first goes right out. Boom, just like that. And I'm not preaching like this because I have some ulterior motive. I've got one motive, and I've got one purpose, and I'll stand before the throne of God and face the Lord about this matter. First, I believe with all of my heart, this is God's word. And second, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers that your soul prospers, but I desire that you're healthy and you're financially blessed in the body of Christ. And I know this, God, this is God's means of doing it in our lives. So you put God first. Why? Because Jesus said three things to his followers in Matthew 6. When you get home, go to Matthew 6, and you'll see all three of these are included in the one chapter. He said, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, all three to his followers, not if you give, if you fast, and if you pray, when. And this 21-day day Daniel fast should be incorporating all three of Jesus' commands into it, giving, fasting, and praying, because we are followers of the Lord. Why? It's putting God first. That's what fasting is about. And it sets the God-first tone for 2015. So every one of us is going to have to make the same choice Achan had to make in that first conquered city. And basically what he said was, I can't trust God that much. He just leveled the walls of Jericho. This was an impenetrable city. You couldn't get in or out. And God dropped them into the ground right in front of his eyes. He just leveled it. But you're saying you can't trust God that if you put him first, he's going to make sure you get everything and anything you need in the next nine cities. You'll trust God with your eternal destiny. You'll trust him to bring you to heaven, but you can't trust him with a temporal means of exchange. And number four, the tithe must be first. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is whose? Say it. Come on. It's the Lord's. How much of the tithe? Oh, all the tithe. It belongs to whom? And it's what to the Lord? Holy. That's where Achan really got himself in trouble. It belongs to God. You're not giving it. You're returning it. It's the first that comes into your hand. Someone told me after first service, who has a business, and she told me, she said, when I'm looking at my tally for the week, I have a little sticket note. And as I look at the profit I've made, I have on that sticket note, this is God's. And I take the tithe right out of what I've profited and put it into that pile with a sticket note. This is God's. And I said, you got it. That's the way it's supposed to be done. That's why my first check of the week is written to the house and the work of the Lord. It's like I've got 10 $1 bills here. And say someone handed me, in, for something I did, these 10 $1 bills, 
Here's what I would do. I've got 10. I take one out. Immediately that goes to the Lord. Then the rest God will help me use in a proper and good way to bless my life and my family's. See, I, 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 it's, this, this is not after I pay my PG&E bill. It's not after I pay my mortgage. No, it's when it comes in, God first. What you give to him, he blesses and multiplies. How many know and have experienced that you take this one and you give it to God and the other nine seem to stretch and everything you need seems to be taken care of and God somehow brings in what you didn't seem to have and you wonder, how did God do that in my life? But it requires an act of faith on your part by putting God first. And God is no respecter of persons. If he'll bless anyone, he'll bless everyone. Not always the same way, but he'll meet all of your needs. So Malachi says, when you refuse to tithe, you live under a curse. It's not God cursing you. Here's what Malachi's implying here. You're already under a curse because the whole planet is under a curse. Adam and Eve touched that tree in the garden that God said, don't touch. And it brought a curse on the whole human race. And it was from now on, instead of the ground meeting all your needs instantly and immediately, now you struggle by the sweat of your brow to get your needs met. That's the curse everyone lives under. But God says, what I will do, when you bring me the tithe, I will lift you out from under the curse that the world is under and place you under my hands. So Jehovah Jireh will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. It's not God cursing you if you refuse to tithe. When you refuse to tithe, you continue to live under the curse of sin. When you step, take steps of faith and tithe, he takes you out from under the world's curse, places you under heaven's resources, and it's not legalism. It's about God being first in your life. Jesus confirmed God must be first. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. It's the first commandment. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? He's watching dad sacrifice all these lambs. You shall say to him, by strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And God said, there's going to come a day when your son matures and he sees what you're doing and he, he's stepping into your ranching business alongside of you. And he checks the ledger, and he sees how many lambs you have sacrificed. And he says, you know, you brought the firstborn, the redeemed, and the unclean animal with another lamb, and lamb after lamb, and he'll scratch his head. And you may call a business meeting of your corporate officers in your business, say, Dad, God, what are you doing, man? You're hurting our bottom line. Do you realize how many lambs you gave to the Lord? Have you lost your mind? This is fanatical. You're over the edge, man. You've redeemed unclean animals. You brought every firstborn lamb and sacrificed it to the Lord. Do you know, Dad, how much this costs us every year? I've been to college. I've got my MBA. And this is not how you run a business successfully. Now, I can help our business with a greater bottom line, Dad, if you'll let me do it this other way. And God said, this is when you stand up and you say to your son, listen to me. We didn't always have a ranch. We didn't always have herds. As a matter of fact, we were slaves. We didn't have anything until God rescued us. And when I began to put God first, he blessed us. And I continued to put him first, and he blessed me more. Do you know the house that you live in, that bed that you sleep on, and that car that you drive? It's because we put God first. 
And you'd better know, son, we're going to keep putting him first. That's what God told him to teach the next generation. I'm glad I had parents who taught me that. I remember the first check that I received for preaching. The first pay I ever collected when I was just a kid. I was about 11 years old. That was in cash for delivering newspapers. (laughs) But the first check I ever received for preaching... My privilege. And as it was the first time, so it is today. I get to preach the gospel. Wow. I get to preach the gospel. The first check I ever received for preaching, I made a choice that day. Together, We made a choice, and we make the same choice every week since then. The tenth belongs to the Lord, and it comes to the house of God. You have to make that choice every week because God will place in your hands blessing, and you get to make that choice. And I still feel that way about every check that comes my way. The tenth belongs to the Lord. And I'm saying that you should say, if God did not give me the strength and the breath and the life and the wisdom and the ability, God, thank you. Thank you. What is now in front of me, what now has been put in my hands, it came from you. It was your strength and your ability and the breath I breathed that came from you. It was your giftings and your abilities that you gave me that allows me to earn this. I gladly honor you with the first. Gladly. And that's why what we're doing is so powerful. 21-day Daniel fast. First month of a new year. We're saying to God, we are presenting our families, our lives, our bodies, everything to you. We want you to be first. And here are my first fruits. Every day you arise, you give God the first fruits of praise and thanksgiving. You're able to get out of bed tomorrow morning. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. The first day of the new week, here we are. In the house of God. What are we doing? Honoring him first. Bringing him our tithe. It might not seem important in the culture in which we're living any longer, but remember the Sabbath It's one of God's top ten. It's the first fruit of the week. And you're honoring God first. First dollar of ten to you. When you live like that, God's first. He says, Jesus' words, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Wow. You trust the master. You trust that what Jesus said is accurate. Seek when? First, second, third, fourth? No, seek what? First. Put me first. And that's what the Daniel fast is about. We're putting God first. And he says, all these things will follow coming from my hands being on your hands. See, I didn't make myself. 
You didn't make yourself. God made you. You're his creation. And he's got bountiful blessings to work out through your life and a purpose. And the blessings that come out of God's productivity in you is because he's put his hands on your hands. And when we dare to put him first in our lives, he said, I'll release all I have toward you and your family. I will bless you by putting my hands on your hands because you put me first. See, that's a phenomenal relationship. I didn't deserve that. I was born unclean. He made me clean through the blood of his son. Adopted me into his family because now I'd been an orphan. I'd been a slave. I'd been owned by another owner. And yet he reached toward me to bring me to himself and brought me into his family and said, I'm going to bless you as I brought my children of Israel into the promised land and bless them. But don't forget, I brought you out of Egypt. And don't forget to put me first. And I'll keep blessing you. Thank you, Lord. Anybody want to stand up and say, thank you, Jesus? Come on, we got to do that this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for provision in every area of life this new year. Thank you.